Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Good morning. We are once again asking a question, asking the, the question that we've asked over and over again the past few weeks, who am I? Who am I? And this question keeps on coming back with with different answers, with different ways that we can be encouraged by what we see in the Word of God. And, And this morning, if I was to say, Jesus blanks me, this I know, we would hopefully be able to fill in that blank. Jesus loves me. God is love. For God so loved the world. And the list goes on and on and on and on as we, we look at scripture. And this morning, the, the identity that we get to claim from the word of God that, that, like we talked about last week, that Jesus is singing over you is that you are loved. How do I know? How, how do you know that you are loved? We're constantly told that God loves us. And, you know, again, we, we sing it on Sunday mornings. It's, it's that nursery uh, school song that it, we, we, every child knows how to sing. But all of it can sometimes just feel a little too theoretical. It can almost just feel a little too simplistic. It, is it really that easy as Jesus loves me, this I know? Okay, there, there has to be more to it than that. And in those moments where life becomes overwhelming, and, and I'm sure none of you have those moments, but, but if that moment were to exist, <laughs> where things just become overwhelming, when you're, you're sitting alone with your head in your hands and you're thinking to yourself, where is God? Why am I having to go through this difficult time? Why is this this hardship coming about in my life? Why am I suffering loss? Why, 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 why? When you have tears coming down your face, when you've lost your job, when you've, you've lost a friend, when you've had a really hard day, maybe you've had a stretch of really hard days. Maybe somebody has done something to hurt you. Maybe you are fed up with who you are. Maybe you are fed up with what you think. Maybe you think you don't deserve to be loved. So how is it that in the midst of all of those situations, we can still stand here today and say that you are loved, that I am loved God knows you better than you know yourself. When all of these thoughts come up, when all of these different distractions come up, the best possible prescription we can find is to turn to the word of God and and look at what God says about you. 
Oh, Lord, you have searched me. And you've known me, and you, you know me in my sitting down and in my rising up. You understand my thought far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. That's Psalm 139, 1 through 4. This is the God that you have, one who knows you better than you know yourself. He knows about every single situation in your life. He has never abandoned anyone. He holds every creation in the palm of his hand. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Psalms 139, 17. Jesus tells us that you can't even have a sparrow that falls to the ground. Apart from the Father's will, Matthew 10, 29 through 31. And how much more does he look after and carefully follow those to whom he has made in his own image? You know, we, we talk about that. We talk about that scripture about how God, God tracks the, the sparrows and he, he knows that when a bird falls from the sky, but, but sometimes we forget the other part of that, that God made us too. And how much more does he love and cherish us that he made us in his own image? How do we know? We know because God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. So when we come into those difficult times, when we come into that hardship, when we come into that, that time of where we don't understand it's not because God isn't taking care of us. It's not because he has abandoned us. God has planned and orchestrated each step of our lives. His plan for us is our salvation. We rely on him and what his power and his blood is able to do, not on our own capabilities. And so when we come into these hardships, when we come into these difficult times, he doesn't leave us by ourselves. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent his only son into the world so that we could have a high priest that would sympathize with our weakness, that would, would recognize that this is what it means to live a human life, but he, he didn't just live a human life. He lived a human life, and he lived a sinless life. He sent his son. Hebrews 4.16 says, because of this tremendous gift of love that, that God has given us, we can obtain mercy and, and find grace in time of need at the, the throne of grace. 
Joshua 1, 5 through 6. It says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua was just about to become the, the leader of the entire nation of Israel. It's a big deal. It's a lot of people that are depending on you for everything. Moses had been, been kind of the, the man in charge for a substantial amount of time. He had led the people out of their captivity, out of Egypt. He had, had gone with them into the wilderness. He had then waited and got them to the end of that time. And then it was time for Joshua to take over. And Joshua was afraid. And as we read in the book of Joshua, within the span of just a few verses, God reminds Joshua at least five different times, be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. But God, you don't understand this. This thing is too hard. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I don't need you to handle this thing for me. I've already taken care of it. You come with me and be strong and courageous for I am with you. That's the, the promise that we can take up this morning as well is that God is with us and God loves us. Be strong and of good courage. It's important to note that being strong and courageous doesn't mean that there's nothing hard that comes your way. It doesn't mean that the hard times just disappear. There would be no reason to be strong and courageous if there weren't difficult situations that we were dealing with. It means that in the midst of that hardship, in the midst of that weakness, there is strength. There is courage. There is grace to get through those times. God is with you. He is your sympathetic high priest. He is praying for you every step of the way, like we said last week, and I just love this picture, that God is singing blessing over you because he loves you. How do I know that God loves me? Because God is a God of compassion. He knows us. And he has compassion on our weakness. He's not hard. He is not unjust. He is righteous. And he's moved with compassion for us. God is our biggest supporter. No one wants success more for me than God. No one wants success more for you in your life than God. And as a parent, it's hard to think beyond that. As I, I look at my kids, I want the best for them. As I look at my son interacting with his friends, I want him to have the best interactions with his friends. I want him to, to grow. I want him to be blessed in those relationships. But what I desire for my child is but a shadow of the good that God desires for him. And it's hard to, to wrap your head around what that looks like because a lot of us maybe haven't even really experienced that before. 
but believe in that, that God is your biggest supporter. Believe in that wonderfully uplifting word that he gives to Jeremiah. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think about you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Church, that, that is what the Lord is saying to us this morning and every single morning. I know the thoughts I have for you. I know what I desire to see come about in your life. I know what you have been called to. You have been called to greatness. You have been called to hope. You have been called to prosperity. You have been called to success. You have been called to a future. What are the reasons that we don't believe that we're loved? What are the lies that we tell ourselves? The first lie that we tell ourselves is, I can't believe that God could really love me because he is too big. Why would he care about me? Is it possible to believe that God, the creator of the universe, as we we just said earlier this morning, the God who, who knits our very beings together, the God who spoke and the world was formed, is it possible to believe that that God who has existed since eternity past and will exist into eternity future, is able to see me and love me and know me? Is is that even possible? It is. And it is because he says it is. He does know us. He has counted every star. As we we talked about last week, those crazy huge numbers that scientists have somehow figured out that are probably incredibly wrong in terms of how many stars exist in the galaxy, how many drops of water are in the ocean, how many sands are, grains of sand are on the seashore. He knows all of those numbers, and yet he has still decided to know me by name. He has still decided to call me his own. He knows every thought in my heart. And even in the midst of that, he still loves me. And when we hear Satan whisper in our ear that that God could not really care about us, we have a choice. We have a choice. We can choose to move forward in belief. We can cling to God's promise. We can say, this is who he says I am. And I am assured of his love. Or we can say that there really is no way that God could love me. And we could choose to walk away from that. But church, know that God never takes his love away. We may move away from it, but he never moves away from us. Another lie. I don't believe that God could love me 
because I've done too many things wrong. Sometimes when we think we're being humble, when we think we're, we're demonstrating humility, we can focus so much on the wrong things that we have done. We can elevate the wrong things that we have done to a place that they are higher than God's forgiveness in our life. How broken is that? We are actually making the wrong things that we do in our life an idol that we are focusing on, that we are saying has more importance, more value, more power than the love of God. I idolize my sin and I, I make it greater than God's forgiveness when I put it above the sacrifice that has been made for me. I limit God's power when I think that God can never forgive me because of this specific thing that I've done. Have you done wrong things? Yeah. Have I done wrong things? You bet. The wrong things that we have done condemn us to a lifetime in hell. But God has made a way a way of salvation through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so God extends forgiveness in the midst of the wrong things that we've done. We don't need to deal with that mud puddle of guilt and shame that we just sit in. God says, I have so much more in store for you. We can cast away guilt and shame and regret and fear and we can step out into faith knowing that God loves us. And he has called us to eternity with him. Another lie is that life is really difficult for me right now. My, my heart is dark. I don't feel like God really loves me. Maybe my feelings are right. We all go through difficult times. We all go through times where we say, God, where are you? If we look through the Psalms, we see the, the scriptures that, that David writes in the midst of being pursued by Saul, in the times where He's being pursued by Absalom, his son, and, and there's these, these psalms of mourning saying, God, where are you? Rescue me. There's one specific psalm that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you with me what does it take for someone to go with you through the valley of the shadow of death it takes love someone has to love you to go through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me even in the midst of my darkest most difficult struggle. 
We have a choice. We get to choose to believe that God's word is true. That Jesus Christ, just like it says right there, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the promise that he made yesterday is the same today and will be the same tomorrow. When we walk through those valleys, we get to dig deeper into God's word, reminding ourselves of his promise. Another lie, I haven't done anything to deserve God's word yet. Maybe when I finish blank, then I'll be able to truly rest in God's love. This is a hard one. It's a hard one for me because this is where, where I struggle I can so easily be focused on achievement. I can so easily be focused on trying to get this particular area of my life fixed or, or get this particular area in order before I take the next step. Sometimes it feels like we need to, we need to do something really great so that we can be worthy of God's love, so we can earn God's love. Jesus Christ showed his love for us when we were dead in our sin. Do you know how much dead people accomplish? Not a lot. In fact, I would say probably nothing. Jesus Christ died in our place when we had absolutely nothing to give. We had absolutely nothing to offer. He said, that seems like a good deal to me. That seems like something I, I could pay for. So why do I so often fall into this trap of thinking that I have to impress him in order to obtain the love that he has already given me? There is nothing that I can bring before God to gain more favor with him. The salvation work, just like he said on the cross right before he died, is finished. It is finished. It was finished before I had the opportunity to give anything. As we prepare to come to the communion table, we, we so often think that we have to somehow augment the sacrifice that has been paid for. The sacrifice that has been made by the Son of God being nailed to a cross, shedding of innocent blood, it is finished. 
The last lie that we struggle with, the last lie that we tell ourselves is that I can't rest in God's love because I don't deserve to be loved. And church, here's the the scary part. That's true. (laughs) You don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be loved. We deserve punishment for the things that we have done. We've talked about it over and over and over again. We know that there is sin that exists in our life. God doesn't love us because we deserve it. Because if that was the case, none of us would be. God doesn't love us because of who we are. He loves us because who he is. That is the kind of love we can rest in. We can rest in the kind of love where before the the foundations of the earth, the Father and the Son are, are discussing what it means. What does it mean when when we create mankind in our image and they choose a way that is outside of our way? Jesus says, I can, I can handle that. I can take care of that. We're going to move to our communion time now. If you're joining us uh, at home or away from this place, feel free to join us with the bottle of water singing in your car, the, the bag of Doritos that you have sitting next to you on the couch, whatever you need. Because this is a time where we come together and we recognize the sacrifice that Jesus has made. The ingredients in the cracker don't mean a thing. The taste of the grape juice doesn't mean a thing. What matters is what we read here. What Paul is sharing To the Corinthians, he says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body. Your body that was broken for us, God. Not that as a happy accident brings us eternal life, God, but for because of your intentionality brings us eternal life. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your love that is demonstrated on the cross. Just couldn't eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This cup is the, the new covenant in my blood. This, is, this cup represents a change. It represents a fulfillment of what has been And it represents a new beginning going forward. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And in this case, the Lord's death is synonymous with love. You proclaim the Lord's love until he comes. God, we thank you that your blood was shed on a cross. We thank you that in your perfect blood there is healing. God, we thank you that you have made a way. We come this morning and, and we participate in communion, God. We, we come together in these horizontal relationships with one another, celebrating that sacrifice that has made a way for this vertical relationship with you. God, we, we desire communion with you, community with you. We have that through your sacrifice. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 